Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is Brian. And this is John. And this is Andy. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. One quick note before we get started, and this this is by no means a paid advertisement or promotion because nobody's paying me, but have you guys ever taken melatonin? Nope. Uh, so when I was in college, I took it, and I remember the dreams I had. Like, I, I remember the last dream I had. I was in, like, I think I was in, like, medieval times, and I was flying on the back of this dragon, and it brought me to the door of this castle, but it was- crazy. I don't think that was melatonin. I yeah, think I was going to say- yeah, that sounds like uh, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the magic mushroom uh, psychoactive <laughs> ingredient. Psychocilocybin? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I, I have heard that melatonin gives people crazy dreams. I didn't experience any, but damn, that stuff is actually very useful. I'm not good with things like NyQuil. I feel like I wake up in a stupor, but melatonin kind of chills you out, gets you tired. And I've been using it the past week. And it's been really helpful. So that's that's my uh, my promotion. This message brought Unpaid. to you by Big Melatonin. <laughs> Big Melatonin. Were you having a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep, or did you just want to try to try it? I I feel like I've been a bit antsy, a bit on edge lately. So yeah, and I and I, I won't go into detail because it's it's gross. I had kind of a stomach issue over the weekend, and. I didn't want to eat or drink anything that would upset my stomach, so I abstained from coffee, which I drink a pot a day, and I had the worst splitting headache. And you'd think that not drinking coffee would make me go to sleep earlier. No, it kept me up, but yeah. But melatonin's been great for it. Yeah, there have been days where, for some reason, I haven't had the morning coffee, and then noon rolls around or 11 o'clock rolls around, and you know you just get that headache, that nauseous feeling. You're dizzy, you're antsy, you're tired. So it's uh, withdrawal, my friend. Well, with that, let's get right into today's topic, and... So everybody can tell, Andy's back because this is a topic that is very relevant to him as well. Oh, is that the porn music that yep. you're going to play? Yep, that's exactly it. <laughs> the jobs we have often aren't the ones we want. For many people, especially the insecure overachievers among us, this means our ambitions are maybe a bit loftier than our titles. But I've seen this go the other way too. Sometimes, loftier role doesn't agree with us. It may not fit our values or align with our personal goals. The problem? This line of thinking runs counter to the conventional professional wisdom. We've been conditioned to do well in our current roles so we can, for lack of a better term, graduate to the next level. But why? What if climbing to the next rung in the ladder leaves us miserable? What if the right career move ends up being the wrong move for us personally? So I've told a few stories about my own career, but I want to spend a little time talking about the career of my mother. She works for a college, and her entry into that field was actually one of a career counselor, and she loved that job. She likes interacting with students and helping them figure out where they want to go in life. Now, funny thing happens when you are good at your job, you get promoted. And for a lot of people, that's a good thing, but in her case... She hated being in management. It wasn't fun for her. She didn't like having to deal with people reporting to her and all the admin behind it. The biggest thing for her, the thing she enjoyed working with students, she wasn't doing anymore. 
it was a good career move for her, but it wasn't really a good move for her personally. Definitely very relevant topic for me. When I was in my 20s, my young 20s, started working in the mortgage business. I think A solid 30 years ago. A solid 30 years ago. That's <laughs> right. So actually, believe it or not, yeah, gosh, I'll be closer to, I mean, I'm closer to 50 than I am to 37. Odd line in the sand to draw there. Yeah. <laughs> 37 and 50. <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah, just, uh, just trying to think off the top of my head. But anyway, I started out with a subprime mortgage company. I started out as a loan officer, very successful my first couple of months. And right after the shoot, I started getting looked at for an eventual sales manager. So somebody that would manage four, five, six, seven, eight, nine loan officers at a time. Now that sounds like a good promotion up. What was it you didn't like about it? I didn't know everything about my job as a loan officer. Things like clearing titles, getting appraisals approved. I think well enough to feel confident to go ahead and go into management. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess about three years later after I had started, my boss, who was actually one of my best friends, got sick with Lyme's disease. Middle of the month, right? I get handed over the keys, which was supposed to be temporary. We had a great month for the branch that I was in. We closed a bunch of loans and we were really kind of off to the races. So that was my first introduction into management. I was kind of forced into it after years of really resisting it. Well, did you hate it then or were you kind of having a good time with it at first? So no, that's a good question. At first I was having a really good time with it because all I was focused on was closing deals, right? I knew how to get things approved through underwriting. I knew how to talk to borrowers that were backing out. I, I basically did the job of about four or five or six loan officers, the loan officers that I was managing. But what I came to find out as time went on is that a manager role is, it's about numbers, yes, but there's also these other things called reports and audits that you're responsible for that I basically just turned my nose up at. I'm in the exact same boat, honestly. It's the administrative minutia that I I don't have a mind for. It's not that I can't do it. It's that I just find it really, really boring and I, I hate it. Yeah, no, and, and it is boring, but here's the deal with that. What made me a really good loan officer, like the cocky, brash, I'm Andy Jones kind of an attitude, I kept that chip on my shoulder when I transitioned into management, not realizing that I pissed a bunch of people off that were kind of in corporate. Again, my attitude was, screw you, I'm Andy Jones, my office is crushing their numbers. And, you know, eventually- Do we have to bleep that, by the way? Is, is screw you considered by Apple standards to be no good? I don't even know. I don't huh? think so. I don't. I think that's fine. But also, if you said "screw you," I'm Andy Jones. It sounds like I would hate you as a manager at this point, right? <laughs> well, <now>. so <laughs> can you imagine reporting? So to that's him? a good point. My wife is really sick. I need to go home. It, my things are going. Screw you. I'm Andy Jones. Get back to uh, work. See, screw you. I'm doing handstand no, pushups. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I I did those back then. But no, the good the 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 point that you make there is true, right? So my employees love me. But eventually, after so they so they said so they now, said to you because you were their boss. They, they did. <laughs> they were afraid of your muscles. They did. <laughs> I was showing up on Saturdays. I was showing up on Sundays to close their deals. But the issue was, you know, when I look back on it, and as time wore on too, I wasn't giving any of my loan officers a chance to grow. So I was doing their job. If they would come to me and ask me a question, my answer would be, you know, just forget it. I'll take care of it. 
I I think that's a big issue that a lot of people have. I mean, when people get promoted because they do a good job, their managers, the upper management's thinking, well, this guy's good at doing X. I bet he'd be great at managing other people who do X, but it doesn't work that way. The mind of a people leader is very different than the mind of somebody who's involved in execution. So no, I, I, I totally get that. You were good at that job and you wanted to keep doing it because it's what you knew. Yeah. And when I was promoted into manager, I still had that rush of being able to close deals. But I just remember there were times where waking up the next morning wasn't as fun or being out on a Friday, kind of hanging out with friends, having to go into work on Saturday to close loans for the what we would call the last day of rescission. And if anybody in the mortgage business is listening to me, they'll know what that means. It wasn't fun anymore. Yeah, we have we have so many listeners that you can get that targeted with calling them exactly. out. Exactly. But um, it just wasn't fun to me anymore. I was never in a position all those years prior working for that company where I didn't want to wake up and go to work. And that was at the point where I didn't want to wake up and go to work. So then they came up with a new position for me. I was kind of like the roving sales manager. So if there was a struggling office, they would plug me in for a month or two and then get the ship righted to hand it off to the incoming manager. And it just didn't work at the end of the day, right? I wasn't mature enough to handle it. I had a very big chip on my shoulder and the manager is kind of supposed to be, I think, a calming force. Now looking back on it, right? The manager is supposed to be a calming force. I wasn't a calming force. Yes, did we produce? And yes, did my loan officers and myself make money? Absolutely. But had we failed an audit, all of that money would have gone away. And those were things I was kind of willy-nilly with. Andy, the thought of you being a calming force to me just juxtaposes everything that you represent in my mind. So nothing against you. It's just I... I calm in that storm i i don't know i'm sure andy's yearbook he was voted most likely to flip a table that's that's the impression (laughs) i get most likely to practice meditation so i mean it was maybe a year into managing where i realized that it wasn't for me and there have been places that that i've gone since that i've been approached to be a manager and i've always turned it down been a recruiter now for i think we're going on eight years And I can honestly tell you, I would never, ever want to manage a group of recruiters ever. So I I think that's a pretty relatable story. At least I hope it is for a lot of people. If you're out there listening on the verge of maybe a promotion of your own, or maybe you're thinking you do want to take the next step into management or just a shift in your career, I would say it's something worth thinking about to, to see if you think it's the right move for you. And maybe it is professionally, but maybe it's not for you personally. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll ruminate a bit on uh, on Andy's old situation. Is this where the porn music comes in? Uh, yes. I don't know if it's porn-like. You think it's porn-like? Yeah. I like it. That's that's my music, man. I wrote that. <laughs> I mean, he likes porn, so it's compliment. <laughs> oh. I don't know if this is going to make it into the episode or not. But I hope it does. We'll I hope it does, too. I can pull it back on track. I actually have a quote I wanted to uh, to bring it back on track. So here we go. Let me actually pull it up. I'm always bad at reading quotes out loud, but I'm going to try anyway. So are you guys familiar with Dan Harris at all? 
And you're old enough, you probably saw him on the news. Yes. John, does that name sound familiar to you? It sounds vaguely familiar, and I think I know, I think I remember. He's a newscaster who, I guess, long story short, had a bit of a meltdown live because yes. he was dealing with a lot yes, of stress. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he wrote the book Ten Percent Happier. Yes, that's my actually my second plug is is that book and Melatonin. Probably not together, but um, also good. It's a good sleep. It's good good way to go to sleep. Yeah, but there's a quote that he has in the book. It's actually from his father, and I I feel like it's appropriate for this episode. And it's a short one. It's very simply put: the price of security is insecurity. And Harris's general concept of that, if if I. Uh, you know, can paraphrase him and hopefully I get this true to form. You know, if you want to make a lot of money, be very secure in your career, be very secure in your job, you have to really push yourself as if everything was on the verge of collapsing anyway, right? So you push for that promotion because the price of security is the insecurity of dealing with a new promotion that may or may not work out, pushing yourself to your limit to make sure you're financially secure. And I feel like, Andy, I don't know if this was what it was for you or what the the drivers were on your side, but I think a lot of people who see promotions up as a way to be more financially secure, be more secure in their job function, but that might not be the best thing for them, right? Does that make sense? And in my case, it was absolutely accurate. Having the responsibility to deal with other people, and there's so many moving parts when you're a manager. There's, There's so much to unpack. I mean, it's it's just such a bunch of minutiae that I don't really feel like dealing with and I don't have the and I don't have the patience for. So, you know, I, I feel comfortable and secure enough just to stay in my lane. Now you you're the, the resident grizzly old crotchety Gen Xer. Let's go to the other side of the board. John, your career in, in many ways is at not the beginning, but earlier, obviously, than Andy's. What are your thoughts on this? Because you're not in a management role now, but that's possibly something in your future if you wanted it. What are your thoughts? I mean, ultimately, that really is the goal. The end game in my mind is to get to that level of, I guess, I don't want to say complacency, but the the quote that you referenced from Dan Harris there kind of reminded me of another quote that was something along the lines of success can lead to complacency and that's the enemy of success or something like that. So it's like almost this vicious cycle. And to your point, only the really the only the paranoid are going to survive in that regard. So I'm always constantly trying to get to that next level, if nothing else, just because that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And that's the way I get to that level of comfort. So I kind of am gearing towards that direction, I guess. I I, I agree with the sentiment there. The security and and financial benefits of the promotion are one thing. And John, you hit on a really big other thing, which is expectations. And going back to what was it a couple episodes ago with the insecure overachieving, that's the name of the game, right? It's John or Brian or Andy, do you feel like you are successful if you're not currently climbing the next rung of that ladder? And it feels kind of like a, I don't want to call it toxic, but you know what I will. I'm going to call that toxic work behavior, right? The the idea that your success or your well-being is tied to where you move in an organization, it feels a bit wrong when you step back and think about it. In my mind, there's like this artificial finish line that I have that I know I'm going to get there when I get there, but I don't know what that is until I get there. So it, again, sure. another vicious cycle, but 
I look at some of other folks that I know who are towards the end of their career, not towards the end of their career, but towards the end of their climb for success. And they're at the point now where they're saying, this is where I want to land. So this is where I want to stay. Anywhere higher is not what I want. So Andy, to your point, I'm sure you've realized pretty early on that this wasn't for me. Correct. And and I knew before I was 30 that I didn't really ever want to manage again. Sure. And I hearken back to a conversation I had had with a mentor of mine. There are a lot worse things in life than being really good at what you do and making a good living at something that you're really good at. There's a lot of people out there in life and in the professional world that don't take the chance to live in the moment, and they always want to be somewhere where they're not. Those words resonate with me right now. I just want to be left alone to do my own thing, and that's it. That is such a crotchety old hermit thing to say. Well, you think so? I don't think so. I imagine your career at this point is Lighthouse Keeper. <laughs> it's the only place left for you to go right now is Lighthouse Keeper. Willem Dafoe level. Yeah, you know, and John, you don't have kids, dude, right? Nope. I, I have two kids. I'm I, I'm not in a position where... You know, I, I can be tied up 13 hours a day. It's just not possible. What, what was your what was your kid's situation uh, when you got promoted from loan officer? Did you have kids? Were they on the way? No, I was single, living by myself. Oh, okay. So I wonder if that creates a sense of urgency on my end that is subconscious, or maybe at this point we've brought it to light and now it is a conscious effort on my end, but maybe there is a desire to get to a certain level before that to where if I do, for whatever reason, plateau or become stagnant after I have kids, I won't feel as bad because, hey, at least I'm at this level. I'm middle management now, and this is a sweet gig to have. Well, before kids, you got your next big milestone coming up relatively soon. You're getting married in a minute. So does, does I got to do that there? first, right? Well, yeah, yeah but it, does, that, does that factor into your, your thoughts about where your career is? I, I want to do better because I want to start building a family, but... I don't know if it really factors into decision-making in terms of aiming for a promotion or anything like that. There's nothing on my end that feels urgent because of that. For me, if you're looking at a promotion or considering going for one or changing roles, yeah, it could be a very good thing for your career, but do make sure it makes sense for you as a person as well, because extra couple grand in the bank account might feel good at first, but nobody's in here for a short haul. We're all working our careers for 40 some years. You have plenty of time to figure out the right path up. Don't jump at the first path you see just because it looks like a, a quick angle to success. Or be like me and not heed any of Andy and Brian's advice and just make the same mistakes. So I'll report back later. What I would say is this. You bet that promotion like you would maybe any other job opportunity. Know the ins and outs of it. Because understand, if you take a job promotion and let's say it doesn't go well, chances are you might not be able to work for said company. I don't think anybody out there should feel like they're maybe a failure or they haven't lived up to their potential if they don't accept or get offered a promotion. Because at the end of the day, like my mentor told me, there's a lot of worse things in life than being successful at what you do and liking what you do. It's a long story short, be true to yourself, not to expectations you think other people have of you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.
be sure to save yourself for marriage, right? 